the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. But now we're faced with an important question, a question that all of us need to consider, all of us need to think through. We know that God is a tender and kind shepherd. David's already told us that. But what he hasn't told us is this. How long will God's goodness to us continue? Or another way to put it is this. Will the Lord ever grow tired of caring for us as his sheep? Because after all, sheep are pretty dumb. And like them, we do a lot of foolish and dumb things. So will the Lord ever grow weary of pastoring us, of shepherding us and providing for our needs? In other words, will we ever reach a point in our lives where the Lord will just stop supplying our needs and stop providing for us? Many years ago, there was a John Deere commercial which featured a very elderly man wearing a thoughtful expression. In the background, someone was mowing grass with an ancient-looking John Deere riding mower. After a few moments, the old man asked, How long does a John Deere last? No matter how long they last, they won't last as long as God's mercy, because the Bible says His mercies last forever. That means the short answer for the question just posed by Pastor Steve is, No, the Lord will never grow weary of providing for His followers. Hi, you're listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and these Bible classes of the air are an extension of his teaching ministry at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today, Pastor Steve is launching into the final message of his series on a glorious piece of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm. As usual, we have divided his message into three radio-sized portions, so grab your Bible and get ready for part one. Here's Pastor Steve. Depending on what Bible translation you use, there are between 114 and 118 words in Psalm 23, but none are more important than the words we read in the last verse of this psalm. David writes in verse 6, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This concluding verse of Psalm 23 has been called the sixth string on David's harp and one that sounds a note of confidence and assurance. And the reason this final verse resonates, folks, with such confidence, such assurance is because having experienced the goodness of the Lord up to this point in his life, as David looks ahead to his future, he tells us that he is absolutely certain that God's goodness and God's mercy in his life won't cease. It's not going to stop, but it will continue until he's safely home in heaven where he will dwell with the Lord forever, for all of eternity. See, Psalm 23 is David's testimony to the fact that God has been such a wonderfully kind 
and great shepherd to him. And as we said at the beginning of our study of this psalm several weeks ago, what makes Psalm 23 so unique is that prior to becoming the king of Israel, David had been a shepherd himself as he watched over his father's flock. Yet in writing this psalm, David doesn't write as a shepherd. He writes as one of the sheep. So that Psalm 23 is written from the viewpoint of a very grateful and satisfied member of the flock. It's as if one of the little willies just took up a a pen and started writing down his thoughts about how good and merciful his shepherd had been to him. That's really the gist of Psalm 23. One of the Lord's sheep, David, wants us to know that his divine shepherd has been so incredibly kind to him as to provide everything that he needs to carry on a healthy relationship with him. That's what he means about, I have no needs. That's why he begins Psalm 23 with those now famous words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what he does from this point on, from really verses 2 through 5, is he tells us exactly what the Lord has provided for him so that he can continue walking in the warmth and the smile of God's fellowship, using the language of a shepherd in his relationship to his sheep. David tells us that that God has provided certain things for him to help him to walk in obedience with him. So he begins in verse 2 by saying that he has peace in his heart. He has rest in his soul so that like a sheep who feels so safe and so secure knowing that his shepherd is there for him to care for him that he is comfortable enough to just lie down and, and rest in green pastures and beside those quiet waters. David says... I'm like that. I'm resting in my heart. I have peace in my heart. But also knowing how prone he is to wander from his shepherd into sin, knowing his own corruptness of heart, his own depravity, David proceeds to tell us that the Lord also provides, in addition to rest and peace in his heart, he provides restoration For his soul, that's what he means in verse 3. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. David is telling us because the Lord loves him so much that when he, he wanders into sin, his shepherd goes after him and he brings him back. He convicts him of his sin. He brings him to the point of repentance and he brings him back into fellowship. And once that happens, once his shepherd returns him to the fold, and the warmth of his fellowship, he's once again following the Lord. He's been restored. He wandered. He came back. But in following his shepherd, David finds that at times he's called to follow the Lord through some very dangerous roads and paths. Those paths he calls the valley of the shadow of death, which as we said when we studied this a few weeks ago, that's a reference not to to death itself. It's really a reference to those dark and shadowy valleys in Israel where sun hardly gets in. But what David means by that is there are difficult times in our lives, times of uncertainty that we all pass through. All of us know those times of uncertainty when we are prone to be scared and fearful. But David reveals that in spite of the the danger going through these valleys, he's not afraid. He's not afraid because he knows that his shepherd is right there meeting another need in his life, and that need is protection. Gives him rest, 
Gives him restoration, gives him protection. Knowing that his shepherd is right, not only there, he's right beside him. David is not fearful because he knows that his shepherd is there to protect him from any and all of his enemies. And finally, after completing this journey through those dark valleys, David tells us that his shepherd, knowing full well that that he is a sheep, he's exhausted. He's weary from all of his traveling as he follows the shepherd. He's in need of a good meal. He's in need of some physical refreshment. And so his shepherd leads him to his home, or in in those days, probably a tent, where he, the shepherd, as a gracious host, ministers to David's physical needs. What does he do? He provides him food, a table. He provides him water. His cup is filled to the top. He provides oil for his skin to renew his skin. And that's what verse 5 is talking about. So this has been David's testimony to the Lord being his shepherd. He wants all of us to know that God has just been so good to him that he has met every one of his needs. And folks, his purpose in, in doing this, his purpose in writing this, his reason for penning Psalm 23 is so that we'll know that what the Lord is doing for David, he does for all of his people, not just David. So if you're one of the Lord's sheep by faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you, then you can know his rest. He gives you rest in your heart. He restores your soul. He protects you from enemies. And he meets your physical needs. That's what we've seen up to this point. But now we're faced with an important question, a question that all of us need to consider. All of us need to think through. We know that God is a tender and kind shepherd. David's already told us that. But what he hasn't told us is this. How long will God's goodness to us continue? Or another way to put it is this. Will the Lord ever grow tired of caring for us as his sheep? Because after all, sheep are pretty dumb. And like them, we do a lot of foolish and dumb things. So will the Lord ever grow weary of pastoring us, of shepherding us, and providing for our needs. In other words, will we ever reach a point in our lives where the Lord will just stop supplying our needs and stop providing for us? Will that ever happen? Well, that is the question, and that's the issue that seems to be on David's mind as he brings Psalm 23 to a close, because in this final verse, he talks about what will happen to him all the days of his life, meaning all the days ahead of him, those days that he has yet to to live out. In other words, the rest of his life from this point on. Not what's happened in the past, but what's going to happen from this point until I die. Then he takes it a step further and he speaks about what's going to happen to him at the moment of death, when his days on earth come to a close and eternity begins for him. That's why the last word of the psalm is forever, meaning eternity. On and on it goes. What David concludes is that God, his divine shepherd, will never abandon him. He concludes he will never stop taking care of him. He concludes he will never cease from shepherding him and meeting his needs because he knows that for the rest of his life and even after his life on earth comes to an end, the Lord will still be there for him meeting his needs. And what is it that David needs as he faces the future? Well, that's really the subject of the final verse of this psalm. As David tells us that he is confident 
that whatever the future holds, he knows that God will continue being his shepherd. He will continue providing for him. And what will the Lord provide for him from this point on? Well, David tells us about the greatest thing that a man needs from God. And this is the final thing he says that his shepherd provides for him. He provides his kindness. His kindness. Verse 6 again. Surely goodness and loving kindness or mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As David brings this masterpiece of a psalm to a close, he draws a conclusion about the Lord based upon what he already knows about his shepherd. Knowing that God has always been good to him, knowing that he has treated him with such kindness as to meet every one of his needs, David knows that he can count on God's goodness and loving kindness to follow him all of the days of his life right up to the point of his death. Now, let's think about this, about what, this, what David means by this. These are words, but what does he mean by these words? Well, first of all, David begins the sentence with the word surely. Now, this particular Hebrew word can be translated into English as only or surely. Those who think that it should be translated as only believe that David is saying that in the future only God's goodness and mercy will follow him to the exclusion of anything else, to the exclusion of anything that's really negative. In other words, God's kindness to him will be so great that anything else like adversity or pain or suffering just isn't even worthy of being considered or mentioned. But that can't be what David's saying. He can't be saying that because as we read the Psalms that David wrote, as we study the life that David lived, we see that David was very much aware that his remaining days would be filled with all kinds of problems, pain, difficulties, disappointments. In fact, God specifically revealed to David that life was never going to be easy for him. Where did he reveal that? He revealed it in 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. I want to read to you verses 9 through 11. The context is this. David has sinned by having sexual relations with a woman named Bathsheba. Then he arranged to make sure that her husband, Uriah the Hittite, would be killed in battle. And then he took Bathsheba to be his wife. God stirred up the prophet Nathan, who came and confronted David and told him about his sin. And through the prophet Nathan, God is now about to tell David the consequences of his sin, the discipline for his sin. Starting at verse 9. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I'll raise up evil against you from your own household. I'll even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Now, God disciplined David severely for his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, her husband. And I want you to notice that this, this discipline, God says, would be long. It would be drawn out. It's not quick and get it over with. It would continue throughout his lifetime. In other words, David would experience 
continual violence related to his own family, just as he had been violent in making sure that Uriah was killed by a sword. And because David had done evil to Uriah's family, so David would experience evil in his own family. And that's exactly what happened. It's what the Word of God said would happen. It is what happened. One of David's sons raped one of his daughters, a stepsister. Another son of David's killed his own brother. And then that same son, Absalom, rebelled against David and almost killed him and destroyed his kingdom as he tried to take over the kingdom of Israel. In addition, because David's sin with Bathsheba was of a sexual nature, Absalom would have sexual relations, we're told here, with David's concubines during his own rebellion. So, David knew that his life was going to be difficult. And as we go back to Psalm 23, we know that in light of all the horrible things that God said would take place in David's life, David couldn't possibly mean that only God's goodness and mercy would follow him and nothing else of a negative nature. He knew that that's not even possible because his life was filled with all kinds of problems and adversity, and it would not stop. Now, what David means by this is that in spite of all the adverse circumstances he knows that he will experience, in spite of that, he is absolutely certain and has no doubts that God's goodness and loving kindness will also be there following him throughout his remaining days. Now, this is a truth that we have to stop And we have to think about and we have to digest for ourselves because at times all of us have trouble believing that God is being good to us, that he's being kind to us. We have those troubles when we're going through times of suffering and pain. In fact, sometimes as we're going through some hard and painful trial, it's easier to believe that God is sovereign than it is to believe that he's good and that he's loving. So let's consider what David actually means when he says, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Well, first of all, it is important to know what these words mean. What does the word goodness mean? What does the word loving kindness or mercy mean? Well, the Hebrew word for goodness essentially means that which enhances and promotes one's welfare. It's talking about something that's beneficial, something that's helpful. This isn't particularly a deep word. It just means something that enhances our lives and is beneficial and helpful. The Hebrew word that is translated loving kindness, sometimes it's translated mercy. It means exactly what it sounds like. Kindness, mercy, favor, steadfast love. In fact, this word actually comes from another Hebrew word that means to bend or, or to bow oneself or to incline oneself. So the thought behind this word is that God's love for us is really condescending in the sense that he stoops. He bends down to serve us by being kind and merciful to us, extending his grace and his favor to us. So what David is saying then is that he is absolutely sure that throughout his lifetime, right up to the day he dies, God's goodness, those things that will promote his welfare, meaning David's welfare, and God's loving kindness his acts of compassion and grace towards David will follow 
David. We'll follow him. And by following him, note this, David doesn't mean that they're going to nonchalantly or casually tag behind as if they had just, you know, nothing better to do. No, the, the word that David chooses to use here, this word that's translated follow, means to pursue. It means to chase someone. It is the same word that is often used in the Old Testament to speak of, of military troops pursuing each other in battle. So what David is saying then is that God is so determined to extend his, his goodness and his kindness in his life that he won't ever let him out of his loving care. The Lord makes sure that he continuously pursues David with his mercy right up to the day that he dies. Charles Spurgeon called these two divine virtues of goodness and mercy, he called them God's twin guardian angels. Spurgeon said this, these twin guardian angels will always be with me at my back and my beck. Just as when great princes go abroad, they must not go unattended. So it is with the believer. Goodness and mercy follow him always, all the days of his life, the black days as well as the bright days, the days of fasting as well as the days of feasting, the dreary days of winter as well as the bright days of summer. It's a great quote. It's a great truth. So how is it? How is it that that God's goodness and loving kindness follow us so diligently, and yet at the same time, we can suffer so much? How is it that we have both of these going on in our lives? How do we reconcile God's kindness to us when we are experiencing so much adversity, so much suffering? Well, first of all, we need to understand that this reality of experiencing both God's kindness and suffering, pain at the same time, that's an experience that is unique to the life of someone who is a believer in Jesus Christ. It's a unique experience of of a Christian. You see, David is speaking as one of the Lord's sheep to others, to other sheep who are part of the same flock. He's not saying that goodness and mercy will follow someone who has rejected the Lord and salvation. That's, That's not the case, and that's not what he's saying. So we understand that this is a unique experience of a redeemed individual, someone who has experienced conversion and who knows Christ as their Lord and their Savior. I would not expect an unbeliever to have any understanding of what David is talking about here. None at all. To those who are without Christ, suffering and tragedies are usually interpreted as God either not being sovereign enough to stop those tragedies or not being loving and good enough to stop them from occurring. As one person I recently read about said, when asked how to understand the great tragedy that had befallen some children, this person said, well, I guess God made a mistake this time. But a true believer in Christ would never think and never say such a thing as that because he knows that God is perfectly holy and therefore he never makes a mistake or does an error. He also knows that God is sovereign as well as he is loving. But knowing these truths doesn't mean that we don't struggle with them. We do struggle with them at times. We struggle trying to reconcile why a loving God who promises to have his goodness and loving kindness follow us all the days of our lives would still, in his sovereign plan, send us pain and suffering at the same time. So how do we biblically think our way through this? 
Sometimes when facing tragedy, it might actually be easier to believe that God made a mistake. It's not easy to continue to trust that He always knows what He's doing, and He always is working things for the good of those whom He loves. This is Verse by Verse, and our Bible teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're in Clearwater on a Sunday and want a place to worship, I know you'll find a warm welcome at Lakeside. To get directions and service times, visit the website, www.lakesidechapel.com, or call 727-441-1714. We're nearing the conclusion of Pastor Steve's series about Psalm 23, which just might be the most beloved chapter in the entire Bible. If you missed a broadcast, you can download or stream any of our classes at the Verse by Verse website, which is very easy to remember. It's versebyverseradio.org. If you've been blessed by these broadcasts and would like to make a gift to help keep us on the air, you can find out about that on the website, too. I was still a young man when my wife and I had to endure the slow death of our four-year-old daughter from cystic fibrosis. I don't need to tell you that that was the most painful chapter of our lives. How did we get through it with our faith intact? Well, that's a long story, but Psalm 23 played a key role in it. For Pastor Steve, this is Jerry Peterson inviting you to tune in to the next Verse by Verse for some real encouragement in those painful seasons of life. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse by... We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.